Hello and welcome to the Event Lab podcast. This episode, we've got venue talk with the Higher Space venue experts as they bring you more exciting new venues to check out. But before that, we've got a new feature we're going to be bringing you every episode. Hosted by Sam Allen, founder of Sequoia Venue Solutions, Charlotte Gentry, formerly Wilson, founder and CEO of Pure Events, and our co-founder here at Higher Space, Edward Poland. They're going to be providing a news digest on all the latest stories and trends in the events industry, leading the discussion on issues that matter most. With their fortnightly brief, you'll always be up to date on the latest industry talking points. So, I'll hand you over to our news team. Morning, Sam. Morning, Morning. Charlotte. Hello. How are you both? Really well, thank you. I think we've got the first day of summer. It's nice and warm out there. It's lovely. Sun shining, birds are tweeting, happy. <laughs> Perfect day for News Digest. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. Who isn't talking about this? It's uh, first Marriott and now Hilton have cut their agency commission in North America to 7%. Why? I think it's probably due to the fact that um, I think they've thrown the ball back in the court of, of agencies in the marketplace to open up more transparency in the industry um, and not be so heavily reliant on, on, on the kickback from big hotel chains. Um, it's going it, it's, it's to mean that essentially people are going to have to re- remodel the way in which they've been working in the venue finding market. Yeah, I mean, Sam, you work closely with venues in the UK. What's the reaction been? I think in terms of unique and unusual venues, this is something that is a very interesting piece of news because in terms of the challenges that venues face with certain venue finding agencies, it is interesting to see that the big guns are now, it's not just Marriott Hilton have now followed, Mm. and this will... This is the start of a trend. We'll see this. I think there's a couple of things we've got to remember. Number one, that they're still paying a commission. So venue finding organisations, travel management companies are finding that. But ultimately, the meeting planner, the travel manager themselves are looking for ways of cutting costs. We know with sites like booking.com, hotels.com, the hotels themselves are challenged. Um, I think... You know, we need to look from a event agency venue finding way of what our value proposition is now to that end client. From a unique and unusual venue point of view, um, I think a lot of venues do struggle in terms of competing with the likes of the Hiltons and the Marriotts of the world. So will this drive a slightly even more even playing field in terms of what that venue proposition is for the client and its objectives? I hope that it will be something that's positive for unique and unusual venues. So obviously you run a uh, very successful UK agency. I mean, is this going to come to the UK as well? I think so. I think that it just, it's creating um, a shift in the way people are working. Um, and it's difficult because often it's, it's a double-edged sword. Clients have a huge expectation of... Um, the work that that one does for them to find unique venues but sometimes it's been a free offering so far from an agency perspective but it is still time and time is money and therefore does it now mean that agencies will have to charge a fee on a daily rate 
um, for their services. Nothing in this world is for free. And is that now the way that this is going to ch- going going to change? Um, and will there be a call for more transparency on the commissions that are actually being received um, from venues to the client? I think that key word is transparency. I think in any business, in any industry, if you can demonstrate your value proposition to that client, then you should be charging a fee for it. You know, that's that's very important. So I think transparency is a key word. But remember, reading through and reading into this particular article, the reason why this has happened is that Marriott owns so many different brands. So actually what's happened is the brands are competing against each other. Mm. So the smaller... Um, down market or I don't know the best phrase of using but the lower maybe the cheaper type hotels people like the courtyards and what have you those owners are getting frustrated because actually they're losing business to groups because of the huge commissions that uh, the other hotel chains within Marriott are paying so that's what's been happening in the industry for as long as I can remember you know in terms of the smaller venues versus these big hotel groups so actually if this means that, you know, due to the merits of this world becoming more diverse, that we're now going to look into this as a serious topic, then this is great news for the end consumer. Okay, I saw the HBA have launched a, a, an immersion lab designed to uh, to, designed to, um, to, to further kind of communication between agencies uh, and venues. So maybe this is something that they will be uh, at the top of their agenda. Mm. I mean, I actually recently sat on a panel discussion for the Hyatt Group, um, which was really interesting. Um, to um, understand um, as part of the panel what frustrates venues um, in terms of the communication and what frustrates agencies. Um, And so many topics were thrown up as a result of that panel discussion. I think more, um, there needs to be much more, much better communication between venues um, and agencies in terms of how they're working with each other because there's frustrations clearly from both sides. Good. Well, uh, fascinating. To, uh, this is going to be one that's going to run and uh, run and run, I would imagine. Uh, clearly, there is a lot of talk about kind of commission generally uh, mm. all over the place in the industry. So no doubt we will come back to this one. Can we uh, can we talk about weather spoons? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what weather spoons done? They've, uh, they've closed all their social media uh, accounts um, in the last couple of days. Um, is this a trend that is going to going to be seen in the events industry? It'd be very interesting to see. I mean, I haven't personally been in a Weatherspoons for quite a long time in my <laughs> life. Um, the, the, the cup of coffee for one pound, I, I really, I think I should be frequenting there a lot, a lot more. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's quite an interesting stance. Um, obviously, there's so much in the media at the moment about um, the way in which social media platforms are working um, and data collection, etc. that I wouldn't be surprised if other big brands take a similar similar stance. It would also be very interesting to see whether, as a result of shutting them down, how that actually affects their marketing strategy moving forwards, whether actually really it makes any difference. I think that would be really interesting to know um, in terms of the followers that they once had if they're not communicating in that way anymore what impact does that have we once upon a time we lived without it how does that potentially affect affect us moving forward if we were to do this what would that look like Sam you're pretty big on social social media I thought for a second you were saying <laughs> I was pretty big in JD Weatherspoons 
Um, again, like Charlotte, not a massive frequenter, but I do understand if you buy two glasses of wine, you get the bottle free. Um, mm. I think it's really interesting, and I think the industry has to, you know, take heed to it. I think when it comes down to social media, you've got to understand, like you do in any part of the event industry, you need to understand your stakeholder group, who you're interacting with, whether that's via live events, whatever communication you might be doing in the marketing mix. So I think that being cynical, I think that this has probably reduced some costs for JD Weatherspoon. Mm. Um, you know, we've got to the point in terms of big groups like this where they'll be employing people to handle this, this social media. So I think that will save some fixed costs for them, being cynical. I think secondly, they are looking at their audience and perhaps that audience isn't an audience that engages in social media. I'm only speculating, I can't say for a fact. Um, and that comes down to you know the use of social media in our industry. I, um, as you know, I work with venues and you know there's some big stresses and strains about how they're using their social media and that they've got to do this. And I always draw it back and ask the Simon Sinek question, why? So until you can answer the question of why you're using social media and to what end you need it for, then maybe you should take a pause and have a look and see what your overall marketing strategy is. So I think it's interesting. Um, I don't think social media is going anywhere. Um, I think we've got new audiences. It's a new way to engage. Um, there's some great ways of, of running events with social media. So I, I think it's here to stay for the time being. Who does who does out of interest? Who do you think does social media really well in the events industry at the moment? Um, who does social media well? I want to give a shout out to Noodle Live here, who mm-hmm. I think uh, have always got uh, have always got something interesting to say and say it well uh, on on social media. And I think an example of a, of a company doing it doing it events business doing it doing it very very well. I think there are events communities online more so than individuals. I'm not going to plug any individual, mm. but I think there are some really nice communities online that are sharing some really interesting best practice, um, opening up bigger, wider debates across the sphere. So uh, event planners talk that happens every Monday night. I think that's a really, really good insight. Um, someone I think who's a, I am going to now plug, who I think is a champion in terms of social media and, and getting information out to, to the wider group is Helen Moon. Mm. Um, I think across the event planning world with EWL, but also event well-being. Um, so I think she's a particular star. But I think it depends on your audience. I still go back to that, you know, managing your strategy with your stakeholder in mind. Uh, something I saw, I think I saw this in Meat Pie uh, initially. It was a, a, an event that uh, Puma <laughs> put on. Um, and... They well, they've uh, they've been accused of glamorising crime after hosting a drug and gang themed party in central London. Did you guys see this? Didn't actually go to it, obviously, <laughs> um, but obviously re- read the story. A bit of a PR catastrophe, um, perhaps not as well thought out as it might have been. Um, understand perhaps where the initial concept came from in terms of wanting to be edgy and bring to life that street um, culture um, of, of their brand, but perhaps just directed in completely the wrong way. Why did they do it? Is this is this what events are becoming? Do events need to 
need to be like this these days? Well, it's quite interesting that even the biggest agencies who <clears throat> have historically been very logistics-based have now all um, either acquired an experiential agency um, or a creative agency because the word on the street is experiential. Everybody is saying that they want, they need to be experiential. And so pushing the boundaries of what you should be doing is something that is always a constant challenge agency side. So I think, unfortunately, someone hadn't just really thought about the ramifications of this, perhaps um, clearly enough, as there are some boundaries that, you know, just unfortunately, this has just hit a bit of a nerve. It's made the news, though. <laughs> so, yeah, some people would say any PR is good PR, but um, yeah. I think there's probably a couple of things. I think I think we need to advocate that it's great working with these agencies, but you know, Charlotte running you know an events agency as a specialist, you know, event design is critical. You cannot just go into a into a room and say let's create an event and let's create an experience and let it be raw, without really understanding your you know your groups that who who may or may not be affected. Interestingly, because it hit the big news, it hit the Independent and the Guardian. Um, the audience, it's not somebody actually who was attending, it wasn't a delegate or a guest that laid down complaints, which I think is quite interesting that you'd think it might have come in from within, but it's actually a social worker that has managed to write this open letter has, has found out. So, you know, is there an argument that the people who attended this event clearly enjoyed it? It was in line with a, I think it's maybe slightly been taken out of context as sometimes our journalists might like to do. Um, I just think it's interesting that we look at a headline, but we need to sometimes look a little bit deeper into what that event is. And not seeing any complaints from the attendees is quite an interesting so, observation. Mm. Not the only one I saw. The, the other, recently, the, um, at the, the UK Rail Industry Awards, there was a mock, mock terror attack. Um, so not the only example of something a little bit different we've seen recently? I think it's like anything it's quite tempting to pick up on very pertinent themes and topics that resonate with audiences currently um, again terror is not it opens a huge can of worms which it's not going to incite positive a positive mm. response so there are other ways to to, to produce a, a very, you know, edgy response to something rather than coming up with these types of themes that pass a bit too close to the bone. I think these things have been going on for years, you know, when you talk about gangster parties and talk about gangsters in the 1920s, you know, crime, murder, mystery parties, you know, we've glamorised these things for years. I think where the problem is, is that it was all in-house, whereas now it does get leaked. We've got social media, it exists. So, you know, that's where more thought needs to be, you know, needs to be put in by the agencies in terms of this, you know, how will it affect if this was out on social media to the general public? How is it going to affect the brand? And you'd think that the agencies for a company like Puma would be considering that. It's a funny thing though, because it's almost, you almost feel like perhaps it's almost done for social media. Yeah. Because people yeah. are going to kind of shout about and, you know, drive awareness of, of what they're doing but when it goes wrong really goes wrong again like 
Weatherspoons, I wouldn't be talking about Puma if it wasn't in the news. So, you know, they, they're doing something. And, you know, that, that good old phrase, as you said, PR is good PR. Interesting. We're running out of time. I wanted to pick up on just one one thing that I found interesting. So it's also in conference news, which is Clarion uh, events have acquired Penwell. And it struck me there have been, uh, there have been significant number of, of acquisitions in the, in the events industry recently, the last kind of six months. And I wondered, you know, why is that? Why are there so many acquisitions going on? I mean, you've got American Express, you've got acquiring Bank Sadler, you've got Hawthorne, uh, acquired by PSAV, you've got Design My Night by Access Group, um, you've got Concerto, CH and Co. Um, you've got BCD acquiring grassroots meeting and events. You've got UBM and Informer, what else? American Express uh, and Hog Robinson, all in the last um, kind of six months. Why is this unusual? Why is, why is there been such a flurry of activity? I think that there is a, a move to expand offerings in the industry um, to give companies a greater a greater edge in a pitch process. I mean, there are so many companies in our in our industry. It has been flooded with um, a number of, of companies. I mean, even now, I still I know people that are setting up agencies left, right, and center. Um, and so the big the big companies are just go, have gone on a bit of a buying spree to ex- expand their offering. I mean, first acqu- acquired Clive recently, which was mm. which is an experiential agency, and that's. Um, another example of this move for bigger agencies to want to have that experiential piece because that's what everybody wants nowadays. Um, So I think it's about just a a larger offering and basically creating a monopoly of sorts of sort of five, six big companies in the industry because the smaller companies actually are becoming a bit more of a threat to these Mm. um, these bigger agencies purely because they're more nimble, they're more cost effective, they can be more um, uh, cost competitive um, and potentially more dynamic and creative. Mm. Um, and so the bigger companies are just buying up these smaller ones um, to um, to expand their offerings. Mm. Are we going to see any more, do you think, Sam? Uh, absolutely. This is, a, this is not an unusual thing. Um, you will see with some of the companies that you were alluding to, they are travel management companies. So ultimately, when you're a big organization or a small organization, it's about profit. And if you have shareholders, it's about increasing the, the shareholder profit. So the shareholder gain. Um, you'll notice that these travel management companies are now understanding that there is a big business. And we know that in the UK, we generate about 42 billion pounds in GDP in terms of meetings and events. So these travel management companies have got the business on the travel side. So it only makes sense to increase the profits and support the procurement and the value proposition to their clients by running CE, meeting and events, conference and events divisions. The quickest and easiest way of doing that is via acquisition. So yes, you are going to continue to see this um, as people want to make profits. And I think there's a lot of organizations, there are a lot of SMEs in our industry and probably get into a stage where some of these people are looking for their exit strategy as well. So yeah, watch this space. Plenty more to come. Our time's up. Oh. Sam, Charlotte. Thank you, Ed. Thank you very much. Lovely we'll, chat. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Look Great. forward to it. Interesting stuff there from the team. 
Why not join us on the Event Lab Twitter page, where we'll be posting up the questions raised in today's News Digest, as we're really keen to hear your thoughts. You can join in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag EventLab. Up next, we've got more venue talk with the Higher Space venue experts. Hello and welcome back to another episode of uh, Venue Talk with me, Nathan, and uh, my colleague Jake. How are you doing, Jake? Very well, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, very well. Glad um, to be back on Venue Talk. Yeah, uh, last time we had Venue Talk, it was, uh, it was snowing, and now... Look at it now. It's about 47 degrees Celsius, Look at I believe. Now. Yeah. Well, we're in a tiny little room, and it's absolutely boiling here. Yeah, so let's uh, let's crack on in that case, then. Yeah. Well, before we did that, I did have uh, some... We had one of the listeners from last week actually emailed in. Uh, said, well done on the podcast. It was informative and funny. You and Nathan have great chemistry. Love nice. Mom. Oh, love mom. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, Rep did, yeah. So, that's good. Are you just kicking us off? Um, yeah. So, if you don't mind, I will talk you through the first venue we, we, we've uh, we, we've recently heard about. Um, is uh, Peckham Levels, which is a really, really unique venue. Actually, I've not really, not really seen anything like this before. Um, it's a venue which has been built into a multi-story car park. Yeah. Um, so, looking at some, some photos here... Um, it's literally a car park with, yeah. <laughs> with some bars and restaurants in there. Um, obviously, uh, like the venues we like what the venues we spoke about last week, owned by uh, owned by Street Feast, um, a big part of venues in London in terms of creating new events and reusing, I suppose, slightly disused or, or repurposed space mm. um, is, is something which is really sort of. Uh, really happening quite a lot in, in, in events in London. Very hot right now. So that's, yeah, absolutely. So um, this is actually, uh, this has been created as a venue project by a company called Makeshift. Um, if anybody, I'm not sure a lot of you have uh, been to a venue called Pop Brixen, uh, in, yeah. in Brixen, obviously. Um, it's been open for a couple of years, maybe maybe two and a half years now. Um, they've got a, a pretty similar uh, business model to to, um, to Street Feast that we spoke about last week. They they uh, go into derelict spaces, empty buildings, um, and just turn them into huge community projects, uh, creative destinations, which which kind of offer offer opportunity to offer offer opportunities to to local traders as well as small businesses. So yeah. I know with, with Pop Brixton, which I have been to, um, they have local barbers, uh, vinyl, the uh, vinyl vinyl sales. Um, clothing, clothing, sort of like yeah, really outlets cool. and stuff like that. So it's not not just about the food here. It's, uh, it's they're, they're kind of creating it as an opportunity for young artists to have affordable space to work in, as well as um, uh, small business owners to have a destination with with lots of uh, lots of people visiting, where they can kind of showcase and and get a head start, uh, get a head start, and it's it's obviously very community focused as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I have, I think I have actually. Definitely heard it. Um, I think I might, might have actually been. Uh, been to Beckham, Beckham Yeah, fairly, fairly recently. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's certainly been to um, Pop Racing. Yeah, same guy, same guys doing it. Yeah, um, I, I think I think Peckham Levels before. Um, it's it's been like a, a filming location. Maybe yeah. it's had like a bar up there. Yeah, but of course. Yeah. It definitely seems like they're making um, quite a lot of the space this time and kind of bringing like a lot of different different things there because obviously it being a being a car park is absolutely massive and there's. There's so much you can do with the space, and this kind of seems like a good way to 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 use a lot of that. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, like Nathan says, you know, potentially can be used for lots of other stuff as well. So, uh, great one to have a look at, there, guys. Um, I am going to be talking you through uh, Duruma Bar, which is the new bar space opening up at the Mandrake Hotel. Um, so yeah, famous hotel, obviously opened last year. I think it was end of last year. 
Um, and this new space that they're opening up is it's not open just yet. So it'll be coming um, coming out at the end of this month. Um, so end of April. Um, yeah, looks absolutely fabulous. The space itself uh, is very kind of tropical looking. There's just like hanging plants everywhere. Um, there's all different uh, yeah, sort of ins and outs, and it, it, the, the wooden paneling around the outside just looks great. And they've got they've, they've already done some amazing photos in there. So um, yeah, I mean just just head head onto the website and have a little look at that. Um, there is a little greenhouse space as well, which you can hire out. Um, <coughs> they're going to be able to um, hire the space exclusively, um, and obviously for guests staying at the hotel as well, you can just pop in for a drink. Um, but yeah, for those exclusive hires, if you did want to um, host a drink reception or something like that um, in a fantastic new space in London, then definitely get in touch. Um, Mandrake Hotel is uh, sort of Tottenham Court Road area, so it's just in between Tottenham Court Road and Goode Street. Yeah, anyway, very lavish, luxurious, very colourful. Um, the hotel itself is, is fantastic. Um, and this space, yeah, very excited to, uh, to to be looking into it for next month. Um, they actually, interestingly as well, they have um, a thing called Artist in Residence or Artist Residency, something like that. And they'll basically get an artist in each month um, to sort of showcase their art. So the, fir the first month they did it was um, Mark Mahoney. He's a really famous artist from America, I think. Um, and it, I had a quick look on the website, um, and this month looks really interesting. So it's Hungarian. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, take a look. <laughs> Pretty saucy. <laughs> um, yeah, but but really interesting spot. Uh, definitely worth a look. Um, yeah, highly recommend going down. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. Obviously, um, I suppose it's quite quite fashionable now. Yeah, people are wanting quite a lot of a lot of plants. Um, I don't know. We had we had actually somebody in our offices yesterday selling desk plants, and I bought some. Yeah, really kind cool of everyone whose bedroom um, it seems to be decorating their bedroom with house plants and mm. stuff like that. Yeah. So, so it's definitely yeah. And I think uh, so. Anybody who, which seems like a lot of people who like that sort of um, feel of like nature and, and plants, and uh, I suppose similar to venues like like the Barbican, where you've obviously got the conservatory and you've got a lot of yeah. plant life going on. Um, it seems kind of like a similar vein. Anyone who who likes that sort yeah. of style of venue, which is giving you a sort of a feeling of nature within the city, um, almost. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's like a little, like it's own little world. You sort of escape a bit, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just looks amazing. So head on over to the website, have a quick look at the photos um, that, that are on there, um, and obviously do get in touch if you wanted to inquire about hosting any sort of events over there. Okay, amazing. Um, just just to bring us back to, uh, I suppose. Um, the amazing weather we're having and, and, the, and the fact that, you know, clocks have gone back, we're, we're heading into summertime, I suppose a couple of our colleagues actually have already started asking uh, the messaging service we have about rooftop bars to visit for, for the weekend. It's time of year where obviously everyone wants to go out, everyone wants yeah. to be outside. Um, a lot of companies having having summer parties, first thing they always want to want to do is, is make the use of make the use of a of an outdoor space. Um, so it's not it's not a new venue. It's a venue which I think most people who have lived in London um, are kind of familiar with, which is the, the roof terrace of the Queen of Hoxton. Yeah. Um, I definitely kind of consider it as a bit of a rite of passage for any <laughs> trendy young things who move to London, yeah. early twenties out of university, moving into a house shape, but going to have a heart Queen of Hoxton rooftop at some point. But they we did we did just want to highlight them, even though it's not a new venue, just because they are taking on a new theme. Um, yeah. So I think they change their theme every year. 
so yeah, they, they don't they don't really rest on their laurels in terms of um, in terms of just having the space itself. And they always put a lot of effort into theming. Have some kind of crazy, really unique themes. Uh, I think they've had a, a Peter Peter Pan uh, Neverland sort of sort of theme in the mm. past, um, yeah. and uh, they are now when they when they're reopening, they're they're going to be having uh, a Las Vegas theme. Yeah. Um, probably quite an interesting one knowing that I can't imagine it's just going to be sort of the, the standard Las Vegas theme it's probably going to be something which is a bit more sort of edgy and trendy yeah. as you can imagine for a rooftop bar in Shoreditch um, but it definitely definitely one uh, I know yeah. it's obviously a really popular venue and people uh, will no doubt be, be checking out and uh, yeah it's just just a good option to give them a shout out and uh, so people kind of appreciate the, the theming and the work that goes into that because it is really cool and yeah, it's just a really it, yeah. unique space. Yeah. I've actually been, uh, they, they, they do um, their sort of cinema nights on, on the roof as well. Okay, um, cool. So I, I saw the Goonies for the first time ever. I don't on, think I've ever on, seen the Goonies. You've never seen the Goonies? I know it gets referenced a lot. In I say, a, I say it like that, but I literally, I'm just saying, <laughs> I've never seen it before um, but, I yeah. think nobody had seen it before they saw it, to be fair. <laughs> you got me there. Yeah. Um, no, but they, they, they offer that as well. You can, you know, I think they just do it throughout the summer. You can just buy tickets on online and okay, cool. Um, just go and watch a bunch of films up there. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's a great spot and obviously amazing location right around the centre of Shoreditch. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously one of those venues that a lot of people are familiar with already. Mm. But um, I, th- I suppose the reason it's popular and the reason why so people, so many people know it, is just because it's it is something which is yeah. so unique and so cool. And uh, you know, every everyone it's very accessible as well. It's you know, a lot of these places where you'd have to have. Particular membership or um, you know, have to book in advance or anything. And obviously, you can just you know, yeah, you can kind of just you can kind of just rock up and yeah. uh, I suppose if you get there early enough, then you're guaranteed a good, a good position. I do watch the sunset. Lovely. Well, very sunny outside, so hoping to get up there quite soon for being. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe head over to this. To be honest. Um, so those are the three venues we wanted to bring to the table this week. Um, Hopefully you all agree, but it's uh, they're, they're all really exciting and really unique. Um, we are always on the lookout, of course, for, for new venues to talk about on this feature. So whether you're a venue manager who um, is, is charged with launching a venue, maybe may marketing a venue and letting people know about it, if you want to shout about it and let us know, then that would be great. If you're just another listener who's been to a venue that you were really impressed by recently and maybe you think isn't getting a... Is it isn't getting talked about enough? Uh, that's also a great opportunity to get in touch. Um, I think you have the email there. Then, yeah, so you? just drop us an email. It's eventlab at hirespace.com. Yeah, amazing stuff. Well, um, I think that's all, all about all we have time yeah. for this week. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, so good, goodbye from me. Enjoy the sunny weather. And uh, I suppose we'll, we'll speak to you in a couple speak of weeks. Speak to you in a few weeks. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Event Lab podcast. To keep up with the latest Event Lab news and info on the live events, including the event on April 27th aimed at sales and marketing managers from venues, you can check out eventlab.online. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at eventlab underscore HQ. And remember, you can join in the News Digest discussion using the hashtag eventlab. If you have a question or topic you'd like to discuss, you're opening a new venue, or you're an events professional interested in, in appearing on the show, you can get in touch with us via the email eventlab at herspace.com.